no, they just like walk in, start licking the wall, the table, the floor. <laughs> and he joins in. That, this that's is my favourite glass. <laughs> oh, mate, go on in. It's copper metal. Copper. Have you ever had a copper glass? I haven't had a copper, like, a drink from a copper thing. I haven't either, but the copper pan is proper goblet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like an I'm old school ruby encrusted, yeah, goblet. I was thinking like that one from Indiana Jones. You know, that room where he's got like the... Oh, right. Yeah. You have chosen poorly. Thanks, okay. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> Let's <for> start. <laughs> That's probably a good point to start. Yeah, I think so. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Lockdown Traveller with your lovely hosts, Ali, Zucky, and Zane. Zane, could you stop editing stuff? People that can't understand what's going on, we've got our shared drive, which we have, which has the plan of everything that we can talk about. Yeah. And this is the first time we're looking at it, and Zayn's uh, constantly editing it as Ellie's typing. Honestly. <laughs> this is a new game. This is a show all about travelling to tundras, trying out new foods like the Tunisian tagine, and in Zucky's case, tolerating Zayn as he hurls abuse at Russian reindeers as he tries to convince them that they are actually Canadian moose who forgot their way. This week, we are being a bit rebellious. We are looking at an area rather than a whole country. We are looking at Siberia. <laughs> but before we go into all of that, let's go over our usual social connects. And Zame, I saw you editing it, so I'm not going to be saying the line, <laughs> we are on so many drugs. Anyway, please see us on Twitter, at The LD Traveller, Facebook and Instagram, at The Lockdown Traveller, and our blog, thelockdowntraveller.blogspot.com. So, let's start with some facts. <laughs> okay. Uh, Russia... Is big. Hang on, that was my and fact. Siberia, Siberia is seventy-seven percent of Russia, and it's fifty times bigger than the UK, with about half the population. But that's not my actual fact. That was just to get rid of Zayn's fact, so you have to make another one. Ah, oh, brilliant. My actual fact is the local delicacy of Siberia is known as stroganina, and it consists of a whole frozen fish, raw, or sometimes a frozen reindeer that gets shaved into paper thin slices and then it curls right. up naturally. And is it like ice like is it dessert? No no, it's a it's a this is like a starter, I think. Sorry. Let's pause. Zane, you think freezing a fish and then shaving it <laughs> equals dessert? <laughs> hey, and it's Canadian. It's I mean, Canadian. There, was no, there was no mention of cooking it or like you know letting it thaw. Yeah. You literally yeah, go to they, you freeze a fish, what, you so peel a frozen, it. What? It, it gets oh into God. a crawl. If I say raw fish, people think sushi seems like dessert. <laughs> no, no, there's a thing here um, in Canada where basically if it snows, you go outside, you get um, some maple syrup and you sort of drizzle it on the snow. Then you stick a skewer into it and you sort of mix it around and then you pull it out and then that's like a ice lolly type thing that you can eat. I think it was like maple beaver or something weird. Okay, I'm not Googling that. <laughs> okay, right. But yeah, don't Google that. Don't Google that. Can I get back to the actual dish now? Yeah, the des the dessert, right? Maple syrup, freaking snow. Yes, the frozen fish or reindeer serves with salt and pepper. Apparently, it's like a melt in the mouth kind of dessert, uh, dessert starter, and you can dip it in vinegar or tomato sauce, often with reindeer blood, and they often consume it with vodka. It's like you can't casually just drop in reindeer blood as a very standard condiment. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, mayo, ketchup, reindeer things. blood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. one of those things you can dip it with, and they even have they even have a festival where they have to demonstrate their skills preparing this stroganina. Is it difficult? They, apparently, they get judged on the fish planing speed, the planing quality, 
and quote-unquote homework. I don't know really what that means. And the availability of clothes. Clothes for the food? For the fish? It doesn't say. <laughs> it just says that's one of the judging criteria. I mean, this whole shaving thing is quite, yeah, unique to that part because... I'm sorry, one of the criteria is you have to not be naked. <laughs> I, I, all it says is the availability of national clothes. Okay, national clothes. Yeah, that's, wearing, that's, national, that's yeah, different. Yeah, national pride. And... Yeah, that's fine. That you can't just say you need to be wearing clothes and that's, like, you get marks for that. I mean, yeah, you should do. I mean, that would be... A, a that would class. change but, like, anyway, the Great the... British Bake Off so much, though. You can... <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, it would definitely help the the UK public right now. Seriously, then people are walking around in onesies and pajamas. Like, have you no self respect? I'm sorry. What are you wearing? I'm wearing trousers <laughs> uh-huh. and a shirt sure. to go shopping. People are like, "Oh, I'm rocking up in a onesie because you know lockdown." No, really? People do. Yeah, that? I'm, I haven't seen that here. Not not impressed. Um, okay, they have uh, elk cheeks as well, which do the same thing. Apparently, you take you freeze it and you shave little. Skin, skin pieces off it, and then you put it in spices and eat that. It's interesting because here, I think they have part of that too, because it says it's specifically like planing like animals. So I think I, I know fish is the main one, but reindeer, yeah, that's an interesting one. Cheeks of elk, did you say? I did, yeah. And then they also they give out prizes and stuff and certificates for everybody, and you can even get a diploma if you win. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Oh, wow, Zayn, I thought you were going to make a pun there. Okay, I'm glad, I'm yeah, glad. Was that, was that a pun or was that... No, no, like genuinely, well, both. Okay. Right, but yeah, genuinely, okay. it's good. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. So there you go. Stroganina. I mean, would you want to eat it? Yeah. I think it would be quite nice, like a melt-in-the-mouth kind of neat thing. Salt I pepper. think so too. It depends on the fish. You don't want fish to melt in your mouth. I mean, a good sushi does kind of melt in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my fact is that in 2015, uh, a town called Barnol in Siberia, almost had its cat as its mayor. And so an 18-month-old cat finished ahead of its human rivals with more than 90% of the 5,400 votes cast. Uh, 90%? Can you imagine how depressing it would be to be a human running against it? <laughs> That's exactly. so true. I mean, so yeah, this this cat, um, and I love the cat's slogan. So the cat's called um, Barsik, and his, the, the cat's slogan was Only mice don't vote for Barsik. When you say I mean, the, mouse, the, the cat slogan, you mean that, yeah, it's not the cat slogan. Yeah, yeah. and um, I was hoping to find out more. Um, there's a few articles, including the one on BBC, but um, sadly for his supporters, he is not formally registered, uh, so he's not allowed to take office, which is a huge, huge shame. I'm pretty sure there was a, a town in, like, Minnesota where there's a dog for a mayor. I've heard that as well, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. cool that, the, yeah. I mean, that's just sad for the dude to run against him, though. Yeah, it is. It is kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you've got your stupid facts out of the way, <coughs> can we please get to the matter at hand and discuss how evil butterflies are? Same. Seriously, we're not doing this again. I just found out, right? In Siberia, they found vampire moths. So there's a species of moth known as Calyptra thalictra that's sort of native to Central and Southern Europe. And these are just normal mm. fruit-eating species, very nice, very friendly. But you go up to Siberia, and these species have given up fruit and instead feast on human blood. And it's not just human blood. Wow. They can even drink the blood from buffalo and elephants as well. So, horrible, horrible creatures. Sorry, elephants? Elephants? Yes. In Siberia? In Siberia. Apparently. I'm co- Okay, is it moths versus butterflies? 
It's the same thing. Evil. That's the main point. The main point is that they're evil. <laughs> and they have this hook and barb sort of line tongue that drills into your skin and sucks up your blood like a you know, mosquito on steroids. And they can suck blood for up to 50 minutes. So these are horrible, wow. horrible creatures. Although, to be fair, like the article that I was reading, um, it kept on stressing that these moths don't pose any danger to human beings. But uh, when I scrolled down to see who the author was, it was just a picture of a moth with a fake mustache and glasses. Maybe this seems a grim. I've seen one. Yeah, they're pretty... Um, yeah. So yet again, you see proof that butterflies are evil. It's not a butterfly, it's a moth. It's, it's, it's like a butterfly's cousin. It's, yeah, but it's, they're still different. It, You're it's my not cousin. a butterfly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Evil, evil creatures. That's the point. That's the main takeaway here. Don't trust butterflies. What is what happened to you as a child, Zim? <laughs> That's not. We haven't got time for that, mate. That's a lot. But seriously, when did you develop this fear, anger, hatred uh, towards butterflies? I can understand. I can understand the hatred toward elephants after what we did to you, but what's wrong with elephants? Okay, no, that's that's you don't blame the elephant for that. I blame you. (laughs) (laughs) We thought you were cold, so we put a teddy elephant in your bed. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But no, butterflies. Why? It all started seventeen years ago. (laughs) But no, (laughs) butterflies are not nice creatures, and you should be careful. All I'm saying is, don't trust them. Okay. All right. Let's 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 actually do some attractions now, then, instead of this anti-butterfly propaganda. Propaganda is what people in Guy Ritchie films do when they want to have a good look at something. Oh my God! Or early attractions. Come on! I can't do. I can't do this anymore. So I just okay, I'm going to do it then, because no nobody else is going. I'm going to jump straight in there. Please, please, please. Do a location. So go talk about Lake Baikal, which is pretty much the most famous place in Siberia. Um, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1996, and for those of you that don't know, it's a 25 million, million year old, 1700 meter deep lake, which is the oldest and deepest lake in the world. Wow. And it can be found in southeast Siberia, near the Mongolian border, and it's near the city of Irkutsk, I think. Honestly, I couldn't even know how to pronounce that, because one person says Irkutsk, the other one says Irkutsk, <laughs> and I, I, I don't should. know what the real one is. So, are you sure the second one wasn't your attempt at the first one? Honestly, I googled this a lot. It's either Irkutsk or Irkutsk. <laughs> I could, the thing that's funny is, I can picture your face when you try to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I can, yeah, I can see it. But anyway, this city called Irk, we're going to call it Irk, the city of Irk. And there's three, there's like a, quite a lot of different theories or slash legends as to why this was created. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna take you through a little journey in history. This is normally the earliest thing, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a a talk through, actually, as far as I'm concerned, a reasonably nice history in comparison to my normal stuff. All right. Ooh, okay. So, first legend is that there was a massive earthquake, like, loads and loads of years ago, and the ground split open and, fra- like, flames rose up and the fire was just going around devouring everything, and people were praying for it to end and nothing happened, and eventually people started crying, Beigal, which means fire stop in Russian. Stop it! Yes, exactly. Thank you, Ali. And the fire suddenly died away and got replaced by a rift of water known as Lake Baikal. Hmm. That's one of them. A little bit dry, I'll be honest. It's a lake. Zayn, I will kill you. Stop. Zaki, please continue. <laughs> that's, that's the first legend. Another legend says about there's this rich guy called Baikal who has a daughter known as Angara. Okay? And this rich guy didn't want her to chat with anybody, like didn't want her to meet anyone. But she was able to chat with seagulls, and one of them <laughs> told her about a dude named Yenisai. Okay? 
and Yenisai was a handsome and happy guy, and so she just became like besotted with him and wanted to run away with him. Well, gloss over the fact that she, a, she never seagulls. met the guy. Yeah, and the fact she could speak to a seagull. I don't know if it was just one seagull or if it was two and why the seagull told her about this dude. But anyway, the seagull did. I, I picture the seagull having like Eddie Murphy's voice, you know what I mean? From like, like I was picturing the seagull having the voice of the, uh, the matchmaker from Mulan. <laughs> I was picturing a man dressed up as a seagull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be true as well. Um, so anyway, she, she wanted to run away with him. The dad found out, had a hissy fit and locked her up somewhere. And, uh, you know, said that he'd find someone for her instead and arrange a marriage. And so he found someone. But before he could actually, like, you know, physically go through with the marriage, Angara ran away and never returned. So her dad Ooh. moped and moaned and cried all the time because she never turned around until his last day. And the tears turned into Lake Baikal. And River Angara is the only river that flows out of the lake. And that's kind of signifying the daughter running away from her father. Interesting. Okay, okay. The final one, which is my favourite one, is about a dragon. I know, Ali, you hate them, but the dragon. Um, I'm a big fan. The dragon, I'm going to call Smaugly, right? Love so it. he's at sunset one day, Smaugly rocks up, and he smashes his tail, and he cracks the earth, and then his breath, this like this hot breath, is fire, basically melts the snow on top of the mountains, and the water fills the crack, forms a small lake, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Around the lake, flowers start sprouting up and trees rock up and then birds start chirping and animals turn up. And he's like, okay, you know what I'm going to do now? This is pretty good, but I'm going to go to sleep. So he falls asleep. He goes to to the bottom of the lake and falls asleep. This is exactly why I don't like dragons. Scotland, Wales, and now in Siberia. All they do is sleep. They're tired. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard being a dragon, man. Flying is tough. Yeah. It's hard. So what did he do when he slept? So he's, what do you mean? What did he do when he slept? He breathed After, and had dreams. Like, uh, he, had, he breathed and had dreams. Is that how the story goes? Like surely he should wake up and do something. He does. He wakes up twenty, hundred and twenty years later. He wakes up, mm-hmm. and he sees that Chelsea is still, still languishing. They've gone through their hundred twentieth manager, and he sees what's <laughs> going on, and he's like, you know, and Skyrim's on its like fourteen hundredth uh, iteration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he wakes up. GTA and, Five's just come out. And he, <laughs> and he finds people greeting him with gifts and festivities and having a good blast. Like, oh, mate, Dragon Smuggly's rocked up. And everyone's like, good. And he's like, you know what? This is all right. This is pretty decent. So this goes on for like centuries and centuries and centuries. Every like, 120 years, he comes up to have a massive festival. And one time, though, he wakes up and nobody's <laughs> about. So he has a little bit of a fit. He's livid. He floods the lake and eps off. And that lake becomes Lake Michael. To be fair, my favorite thing is still the seagull. <laughs> I knew I, yeah, that enough. does just yeah. Um, so there you go. So uh, the point is that there's many different legends about it. Um, either way, it's it's really really cool, and it's one of the clearest lakes in the world. In the summer, the ice gets melted from the mountains and it flows down into the river, and you can see up to forty meters into the into the lake. Sorry, that would be which terrifying is cool, though. Which is amazing to see, and in the winter, it freezes over completely up to around two meters thick. Is the ice what can happen? Wow. Another interesting thing about the lake is that it has 27 islands scattered all around it most of them are uninhabited and it has like loads of different stories about uh, creepy stories about host horsemen um like creepy boats in the mist ghostly figures ancient soldiers from a sunken army and there's a lot of mm. legends about hidden treasure one of them being the legend of the uh, some geologists during world war ii they were looking for uranium and they actually found some gold deposits in the area and okay. World War II broke out while the geologists were still there, but they were told to keep on working. 
and they carried on researching, but most of them got killed by a quote-unquote unknown disease. So a couple of them got killed. The remaining eight tried to get to shore on their own, but they, they couldn't. All they had with them was the uranium and the gold samples, which didn't help. Can so, you imagine rocking up <laughs> with one pocket full of uranium and the other with gold? <laughs> it would be a quite a weird thing to try and get through customs, wouldn't it? And then mm. they get through, another six of them die on the journey. Two of them make it to shore and they find a boat and they try and make it out of the lake. But a strong storm washes them ashore onto one of these islands. So they decided to bury the gold somewhere on these islands and they return home. And the gold is still there on one of these islands to this day. It still hasn't been discovered. Why wouldn't they go back? Well, because they did. They probably died. Go home, get some soup, warm up, and then go back at your gold. Uranium poisoning, I think. Probably. Nah, just sleep but there's it a off. lot of gold in that space, isn't there? Because there was also the the train wreck, wasn't there? Okay, something to do with the radar, red army, or something where they the train sank fourteen hundred meters yeah. deep and lost some gold or something. So yeah. basically, yeah. you go there, you'll find some gold. Yeah, you might you might freeze to death on the warranty, but yeah, you can find you some might, gold. You might, yeah, you might. Yeah, but the lake is going to be so clear, you could probably just see it. If not, not seventeen hundred meters down, you can't see it. He said forty. <laughs> I mean, it might be it might be shallow. The lake is seventeen hundred meters deep. It's the deepest in the world. No, I mean like the gold. Were you listening to any? Of no, what not I really. Said. But the point is, listening. like the gold might have just fallen down, and you could see it. Is that the technical term? Oh, look, the gold's fallen down. <laughs> Somebody help him, huh? <laughs> I mean, you said, you said they buried it on the islands, right? Not in the lake. Correct. And then if if the snow melts and it turns into water, then that means... They didn't they didn't bury it in the snow. They buried it in the dirt in the island. Eventually, erosion, whatever. I'm sure you Depends could just find it. it. Yeah. If they buried it in the stuff... These islands are big, bro. Yeah, but these They're guys like, were you know, suffering from uranium poisoning and couldn't be strong enough to carry it with them, so how did they... Not at the time, though. They were, they were Uranium poisoning is slow. It is slow, yeah. You never seen, you've slow. seen Chernobyl. You know what it's like. Yeah, I can tell you firsthand. That's what yeah. happened. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Anyway, so that's Lake Bike. I'll check it out. So one more thing uh, to that Lake Bike. Bike I found that there's actually a team of people who... Um, can actually let you go on something called the Hivus, which is an amphibious beast. It's like a hovercraft, but it can reach speeds up to 90 kilometers an hour. So when Zaki was saying that the, the, the lake part of it frees up to about two meters, because I was listening, unlike Zayn, you can actually rent this hovercraft by these guys and actually go on it 90 kilometers an hour flying across the lake, which is brilliant. And the best part is it doesn't actually stop when the lake stops freezing. You, you can travel in land and water because it's a hovercraft. But that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Mm. I mean, so we can do that too. I have something similar, but it's um, not on the lake, more sort of around it. Okay. It's basically called the Circumbaikal Railway, and it's a 90-kilometer tour around Lake Baikal, all the way from Irkutsk, or whatever it is, Irkutsk, to Port Baikal in a steam locomotive. So like a proper classic old-school steam engine, like from, you know, Harry Potter. And this whole sort of route was part of the Trans-Siberian Railway. It was, um, the whole mm -hmm. project was split into seven sections and this was one of the sections. So it's got proper old school architecture from the early, what, 1900s when it was built. And they haven't rebuilt it since then. So you can still see the original construction. There are, I think, 38 tunnels on this train route and it goes wow. over 250 bridges and viaducts. So it is very, very cool, um, super picturesque route. It goes through mountains and forests and like small towns and villages all around the lake. Um, and it stops at a few sort of important locations. One of them has 
a train station which has a museum inside. So you can sort of visit like old school um, Soviet era trains and artifacts、mm. when they were building it in the early 1900s as well. There is a train station that's covered in white and pink marble, which actually looks kind of cool. White and pink marble. Yeah, like I don't know how they did it, but if if you have a look at the pictures, it's kind of impressive.、Mm. Interesting. There's a, a small rustic village that you can rest at. There are these two rivers that empty out into a valley, and the train sort of passes through that. There's a massive lighthouse near Port Baikal that was also built in the early、um, 1900s, and each time the train stops, you're actually allowed to go to the、um, engine room, so you can check out that on the actual train, and you can also do the classic steam、uh, horn as well, which is、uh, I'm sure that's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. That that sounds pretty、things. pretty awesome. Yeah. But my favorite thing about this whole thing, right, is that it's so popular now that they've just been adding more and more and more. To the entire tour, so now you can do the tour via electric train. You can do it on a boat, so it just follows the same route, but on the lake.、Uh, there's a walking tour. There's a helicopter ride. There's a full day snowmobile tour. There's、uh, the hovercraft thing, like Ali said, and there's a dog sled tour that uses huskies、nice. to sort of go around、That's、the thing. And you can mix and match, so you can do like, you know, the first half on the train, then you can get off, explore. Hike for a while, then get a hovercraft, then switch to the electric train. It just looks、That's、like、amazing. so much、That's、fun. That's cool, man. That sounds like a lot. I like.、Yeah. I love it when it's got variety of things you can do. That's that's、yeah. that's really appealing to me. That you could do so many of them, like in different ways. The husky one, especially, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you look、amazing. at the pictures, and these things are like absolute units. These are massive dogs. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that there's actually a phrase which comes from Siberia related to those dogs?、No. Have you have you heard the have you heard the phrase、uh, three dog nights? No. No. Okay.、Oh, I thought it was quite a common saying.、Um, I no, hang it, on.、So. It's the one where you sleep with dogs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh wait, wait, it's wait, 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 wait. Not like that. No, it's like, oh, it's freezing outside. Okay. It's a three-night dog or a three-dog night, and then you sleep with three Siberian huskies because their warmth will keep you warm and you won't die in Siberia. So you can use that as a phrase and then explain it to your friends if you have any friends by the end of it. Okay, talk me through what situation you would ever need, like have that. You're hunting. You're hunting.、Reason. You're hunting for gold in Siberia, and I've died. I've died of like you know frostbite, and then you look at Zayn、okay. and you chuckle and you go, "Oh, it's a three dog night!" <laughs> and then Zayn goes, "Yeah, right on, brother." And then you, you know, use the warmth of the dogs to not die. Right. It's a saying. It's a yeah, saying. Yeah, that's a very common occurrence, right? <laughs> If it happens, you'll、yes. thank me later. Yeah, yeah. Am I like Hulk Hogan now? Like, right on, brother. <laughs> right. I don't remember seeing that episode of Michael Palin or Bear Grylls. I'll be honest with you. I miss. I must have missed that. I must have been out that night. <laughs> out hunting for gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Same.、So, this Siberia, this railway which you were talking about, is that? Sorry, did you say it's linked to the actual Trans-Siberian, the the nine thousand kilometer one? Yeah. So it was the the original project for the Trans-Siberian railway was、um, split into seven sections, and this、um, okay. Baikal railway was one of、mm. those sections. And then I think it got damaged or something, and they sort of broke it off from the main、um, railway. So now it's just its own little train route that still uses the original construction. It takes seven days to go across the whole railway, not just this this route, and it looks fantastic. Wow! So that'd be awesome. That'd be such a cool week to go through and、uh, like explore those different areas, stop at different places, and check it out. That'd be cool. Yeah. Can you do Can you do isolation and lockdown on a train? I mean, if you、days? rent out the whole carriage, then probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because.、Yeah. Yeah, mm, interesting. Interesting. 
I wouldn't want to be isolated on a train, though. I don't think that would be good. This one would be quite nice. I mean, you've seen Snowpiercer, right? No, I I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? It's... It's a movie. Okay. It's... So, is it good? It's... (laughs) I love how he's like... "Mm." It's not. Okay. All right. I I haven't seen the series, but the movie is just kind of a waste, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Did you know that um, the, the Yeti uses Siberia as its summer home? Why do you talk about the Yeti? Have you, have you all actually the got time? a locate? Have you got? Have you got an attraction? Have you actually got an attraction? That is the attraction. He sometimes rocks up. He's responsible for some of the deaths. He stole some gold in, in the nineteen hundreds. He helped build out the uh, the railway. Um, people have tried to find him. People from Estonia, Canada, Russia all try, all flew to Siberia at one point in history to try and find him. They couldn't find him. They returned, but they're. Uh, oh wow! Here's a quote. Wow. There, there is a quote. A hundred ninety percent. Enthusiastic and a hundred percent confirmed that they think <laughs> the Yeti is, lives in Siberia. So I mean, if, that, if that's not a quote, I don't what know. Did, what what do you mean ninety percent enthusiastic? <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. somebody was saying that the people are ninety percent enthusiastic and a hundred percent confident that the guy lived here. If you're a hundred percent confident, surely you would be more than enthusiastic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey Amen. I didn't write the quote. It's from the Guardian. I'll share it. You sure you didn't? You sure you didn't? Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that there are tigers in Siberia? <laughs> Why did you start this segment with the Yeti? I, just, I still don't understand that. Yeah, I don't there's know what no connection. That there's no segment. There's no link whatsoever. <laughs> hey, man, they're both wildlife. I've got musk deer. No, he doesn't tigers, exist. Okay, it doesn't exist. Why is it that every time he rocks up, people are like, you know what? I've got my phone camera, but I'm going to try and film this on the back of a spoon. And it's always horrific. Like, why? No, it doesn't matter. Maybe he right. just looks like that. Tigers. Maybe, but people say the same thing about aliens. People say the same thing about you. Tigers, mate. Tigers. <laughs> what about, about tigers? tigers? All I've got All is right. that they, they have tigers there. There used to be 40 of them. So let me and just then... get this. You wasted this whole 10 minutes of our show. <laughs> no. no, no okay, like fine, fine. nothing, basically. Okay, no, no. So, so tigers. Huge shout out to um, how the tigers have been saved. There used to be 40 of these uh, Siberian tigers uh, back in the day, and then because of their full protection rights given by the Russian government to them, now they are in abundance, which is fantastic. So, you know, we save things from extinction. If only we could do the same for the Yeti. No, you know what? No, don't. I will don't say, do it. Hunt it down. ignoring Ali completely, there was, um, I think, like, what, 2012 or something, when they there's a zoo in Russia which announced that they have a liger. So... Um, Right. Father was a lion. Mother was also a liger. Apparently, what's a liger? It's a tiger and a lion hybrid. So this this liger exists still. It's still alive. Yeah. So it was yeah born two thousand twelve. So I'm assuming it's still alive. Okay. So you can check oh. it out in the zoo. Oh, so it's actually it, it's real. But also the um our our ancestors the the the, the guys who lived what ten three hundred. Going back to the yeti again. Yeah, I'm not talking about the Yeti. I'm putting Yeti on pause. He'll come right. back later. Um, no, he won't. He will come back later. He will. But but there's Siberia has a lot of permafrost. Um, so permafrost, which I had to Google up because I didn't know what it was, is ground that continuously remains below zero degrees for two or more years, located on land or under the ocean. And there's a lot of permafrost um, in Siberia, as you would imagine. And they've seen some random stuff growing in there. So... Since permafrost is melting somewhat, there are loads of forests which is uh, which are filled with something called drunken trees. Right. So these are trees which, when they're baby trees, they're growing up, and then the the permafrost starts to melt slowly. So then they their their elevation and their uh, angle of growth changes a little bit, 
and then it melts mm. some more and they get even wonkier and wonkier and so if you look at the forest you literally see drunk trees like they're all they're all in different growing in different angles and it just looks ridiculous right. like come on mate sort yourself out you're a tree you have one job <laughs> um yeah. and they've got they found David Attenborough <laughs> and they've got uh, they found random fruit uh, which was stuck in the fr- uh, ice and then they picked it up and then they say, hey, the seeds are still alive and then actually grew them and it just turned out to be like an apple or something boring. But the one... <laughs> Sorry, I... it's really be, hard it to was, be enthusiastic. It turned out to be something like that. That would be pretty disappointing, wouldn't it? it would be Honestly, you're like, oh, what could it be? What could it be? Oh, it's an apple. It would be worse if it was a pomegranate or something like a pineapple where you have to go through the effort of breaking it in the first place to mm. then actually get the I just don't... Out. I don't care for pomegranate. I've said it. No, I don't either. It's a yeah. it's a big seed which you have to break to get yeah. more little seeds out of. Yeah, but they taste yeah. nice. They're not really. They're not that no, great not for the really. amount. Like the amount of effort versus gain is not worth it. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, but anyway, the permafrost. They found um, two baby lions which were mummified in the Repub- in uh, Siberia in Saka, mm. which is part of Siberia, in June 2015, and these. Mummified baby lions are thought to have existed between 300,000 to 250,000 years old. Um, so this isn't the first time that they found these things. So they think that our ancestors, the Neanderthals, whatever you want to call them, um, actually lived with a herd or um, a, a pet of cave lions, uh, which is amazing. So they're, they're, there's subspecies of the African lions, um, and they somehow relate more to modern-day tigers than lions. So we had pets called... Cave lions, which is fantastic. Uh, look at us now, mate. You can't even keep a plant. You can't even get a plant alive, and these guys had tigers. Honestly, man, keeping a plant alive is such hard work. <laughs> it is. It really is. So uh, mine isn't. I've only got one. And it's a cactus, and it's absolutely fine. It's so needy. My cactus died. Your cactus died? My cactus died. It couldn't handle the cold. Should we maybe talk about Siberia? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Siberia. Okay. Um. Um. Speaking of trees. Go on, mate. That's, that's, as, that's as good as it's going to get. Speaking of trees, I'm going to talk about trees that get felled instead. Does that count? Can we use that? Why not? Okay, sure. sure. So, okay, we're going to do a little bit. Before I start this next one, we're going to do a little bit of a... We're going to do a Lockdown Traveller science segment, all right? Oh, love it. All right, what do you think of a jingle? I'm thinking of we that you know, the Danger Mouse jingle. That kind of jingle. All right. Oh, yeah. So, I'm just going to do a very quick thing about space rocks, okay? Sorry, didn't you talk about trees? Yeah, 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 but I'll come on to it in a second. It's linked, Fine. I promise. Fine. So Fine. I'm going to talk about space rocks as a very quick side note, okay? So, I'm going to talk about the difference between asteroids, comets, and meteors. We're going to get this out of the way now, so I don't get questions about it later, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Asteroids are super big rocks that orbit the sun, okay? And then usually hang around in the asteroid belt between Jupiter and Mars, okay? Hang around. A comet, a comet is similar to an asteroid, but it's made of ice instead of rock, hmm. Okay. A meteor mm-hmm. is a smaller bit that breaks off of an asteroid or a comet that vaporizes as it enters the atmosphere, and then it disintegrates, and as it disintegrates is the streak of light that you see, and that's what's known as a meteor, or a shooting star. Right. Okay. And a meteorite is a bit off of an asteroid or a comet, or both, that doesn't vaporize and it survives its trip intact into the into the Earth. Okay. Okay. Right. So, going on to what happens. So... Why I'm talking about this is because I want to talk about the Tunguska meteor event. So on June 30th, 1908, which is now known as Asteroid Day, by the way, June 30th, um, the largest meteorite impact in history occurred in eastern Siberia, over the Tunguska River. So the story is that a dude sat chilling on his porch 
reading his paper or whatever, and he sees this bluish fireball screaming across the sky, right? right. He sees a flash, and then a sound like artillery fire. Artil- either artillery fire. Right. right. All of a sudden, there's a shockwave explosion, and he gets blown back. And he said he was feeling like he was on fire. This dude was 40, mi- 40 miles away from the actual point of the explosion. Oh, so, wow. The explosion was a thousand times larger than Hiroshima. Oh, wow. Shattered windows around a hundred miles around. And the explosion was so severe, or rather the reaction was so severe, that the night sky got illuminated for weeks after it. How annoying would that be? Like, you couldn't even sleep. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's the priority. Hey, man, I, I like sleeping. Right. Illumination of the sky. Yes. I like the fact that you're like, it's annoying rather than just spectacular. But I know, okay. honestly. Right. We'll gloss over that. Um, and it's, it was so bright and so vast that people were able to read their newspapers in the dead of midnight from the UK all the way through to Asia. Wow. From the UK? From the UK. From London all the way through to Asia. This is how big this wow. explosion was. So one of the theories about the, why that was the case is that they think if it was a comet... Remember, mm-hmm. made of ice, right? When it exploded, it injected water vapor into the atmosphere and formed what's known, what's what are called noctilu- noctilucent clouds. And there's a high altitude clouds that are made of reflective ice. So the ice gets, gets absorbed into the clouds and it's reflective. And so that's why it's always vibrant all the time. Anyway, so at the time when this happened, it was basically impossible to reach the region. It, it was a no-go area. It's too, it's too remote. So in 1927, like 20-something years after the actual event, um, a guy named Leonard Kulik, who was the chief curator of the meteorite collection in St. Petersburg Museum, he led a Soviet expedition into the area. And so he was going around trying to find out from the locals what actually happened. Um, And it was a bit difficult because some people claimed that they thought, like the locals were a bit hesitant because they believed it might have been caused by a god who sent this comet to punish them and ravage their land. But eventually he started getting people to speak and kind of you know, find out what was happening. And they found the kind of actual area where the impact was. But interestingly, this is the bit I found really interesting, was there wasn't actually a crater ever found for this. Oh, interesting. And that's because the impact of the, atmos- the, the asteroid or comet that came in, it actually exploded in the atmosphere above the Earth's surface. So it didn't actually hit the ground and explode. It exploded as it went through the atmosphere. So, had it actually landed intact, would that have been, that's it, another ice age, the end of the dinosaur thing, well, but on repeat? If it landed, if it landed, it probably could have wiped out a city around the size of Tokyo, I think. Wow. Oh my. So, to put it in perspective, I'll give you a couple of facts. So, it was a, it was travelling at 33,000 miles an hour, okay? A little bit faster than the Sleeker. And... It exploded a couple of miles above the Earth's surface and still hit a, a level five on the Richter scale, which is. I don't a know pretty... why, but I thought you were going to say it hit a lamppost. I ge- genuinely don't know why, but my <laughs> mind. The second you said "le," um, I was like lamppost. So level five. Level five, which is significant-ish for you know, I think level eight and nine is extreme, but level five is still a reasonable level of an earthquake style. And it instead of having the crater, as I mentioned, the explosion felled about 80 million trees in an area of 800 square miles or about 2,000 kilometers. And all of these trees, they're like, all of the branches and stuff are burnt up, but the stalks are still present. So it kind of spread out all the way across. The pictures are insane. Hang on. It, it like just, it didn't disintegrate them at all. They just got rid of the leaves and now they're falling like on the ground. 
No, no, they're 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 spread out in a shockwave type thing. So the ground is leveled. There's nothing around it. You'll see a picture. You'll, you'll see what I mean. But all the trees are like flattened. But Zane, what is Zane, I can hear the disdain in your voice. It's like so this meteorite air quotes just killed the leaves. I mean that's that's what I understood. Like the the trees that, are not, still that's there. That's vaporized that's not, that's everything. That's not what Zaki's saying. But the but the brand like the 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 shockwave stripped it all. It wasn't heat that disintegrated them. It was the shockwave. Interesting. Okay, now it makes sense. Flatten them all to the ground in like a yeah. circular kind of form. So there was there was loads of different like um, theories about it. Some say black hole. I think UFO. But effectively. The reason I'm saying this is you can you can go and visit the area. So you can go visit the area where, it's, where it actually happened. It's about 40 miles southeast of the town of Vanavara. And it's just a cool place to see. You can see the... It's like an inner forest. And the area around it is just felt. It's like a massive circle of just nothing except grass in this area where this comet hit. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. That is massive. It's Like I said, it's 800 square miles of trees got killed. Like 18 million, wow. 18 million wow. trees got felled. So we're, we're talking some serious... If people hundreds of miles away had their windows smashed, you can... Yeah, yeah. You can, and like I say, the dude was 40 miles away that got knocked off his chair. Like he got blown back physically and felt he was on fire. That's 40 miles away. That's mad. Yeah. So it's pretty significant. So yeah, you, that's a Tunguska meter event. You can check it out in the city of Vanavara, 40, like 40, 40 miles southeast of the town. So check it out if you're into that kind of thing. Absolutely, you know, that's really, that's really... What car would you take to go visit this place? That's an interesting one, that, because it's it's more of a foresty... It's got to be a Hilux, hasn't it? If, okay, so you're Hilux, Zane? I was going to say Land Rover. Okay, I want to go for the Bentayga. All right, road trip on then. Why yeah, would you go with the Bentayga, though? That wouldn't... Just, just I don't to think prove that... how pathetic these stupid cars are. They're not good off-road. I don't care. I don't think that would survive. I don't think that would survive. Exactly. Too... And then we'll leave it and uh, complete it in the Land Cruiser. Uh, no. If your car dies, you die with it. That's how it works. You get left <laughs> no, behind no, we're, the we're, 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 not, we're not in Top Gear. We're just three idiots with microphones. Right, well, you'll be in the Hilux then. Yeah, Hilux, mate. <laughs> Hilux it is. Cool. Okay, now that's that's really interesting. I've, I've been looking at pictures as well. That's definitely something we need to look at. Um the midnight reading on newspapers, questioning what people do at midnight. But, I mean, if, if, if there's lights on, why not, I suppose. What else are you going to do? It's probably going to be like an article explaining why the lights are on. I just told oh. you why the lights... <sighs> He's really no, not... That's, really just that's, what the news, that's what the newspaper article will be about. Oh, so they're reading the news article telling them that the it's really light at midnight yes. whilst it's happening. Yes. Okay, can I um, spend five, ten minutes talking about something which I found, which I found quite interesting, um, about Leshy? Leshy. How can we say no? How can we say no? Okay. I know, right. So, um, you know, we always do history, myths, monsters, and Lucifer from time to time, but today we're going to talk about Leshy. So, as we know, in, in Siberia, there are a lot of things which are considered rural danger. So, for example, being lost in a forest, being eaten by snakes, wolverines, boars, lynx, wolves, and all of that stuff. But some of the old folklores, the people who used to live there, had um, a bit more of an understanding of what actually uh, kills or um, makes you get lost in the forest, I suppose. So it's not a broken leg or being caught or anything like that. It's actually something called the Leshy, or they call me Leshy, or Leshy. The Nobody big says leshy. that. Nobody says that. That's not a. That's not a thing. What do you mean? It's called that. It's not. It's not called that. You know, it's not called it's, that. Okay, it, it's called Leshy. So Leshy um, is described as a wood-dwelling hybrid of nature and a trickster spirit. And he's tall, humanoid, with pale skin, vivid green eyes, and possesses beards formed of grass and vines. 
So, so he possesses beards, did you say? Yeah. As in more than one. He's got a beard, like <laughs> a beard formed of grass and vines. So he looks like a... He looks like Hagrid. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I get it. I thought you meant like as in... He's a demon that possesses beards. No, he doesn't beards. like possess Sorry, that makes beards. a lot more sense. Okay, he has a beard. Right. He has a beard. I mean, that would be the worst superhero or supervillain, I guess. It's like, hmm. Exactly. Goes <laughs> the up worst to superpower ever. <laughs> anyway, so okay. imagine Hagrid, but with like green beardy stuff. And yeah, so um, some people give him more oh. of an animalistic depict- depiction where he looks a bit more like an animal, which is standing on its hind legs. Um, some people say it has like roots and trees growing on its back. Um, as well, it's got animal-like fur, tails, who So like a Sprigger type thing? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Right. And some people say that he can change his shape to resemble any living plant or animal. Um, so he can go from a blade of grass to a massive forest tree. Um, okay. And they are rulers of their domain. They're rulers and guardians of the forest, or the, the devil of the forest, depending on who you ask. Um, right. But what's interesting about them is that they're not actually evil. They don't actually do scary stuff. They might have ducked a child, and um, right, not evil, okay. right? Right, not evil. Not, okay. According to them, they they do it for fun because they think it's funny. Uh, so they take the child. It's just a prank, bro. Exactly. They 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 delight in pranks and unwary human travelers en route. So they'll steal a child, or they might drop the child on the other side of the forest to see if the parents make their way to the child, or if the child makes the way to the parents, um, and then gets um, right. a bit sidetracked and forgets to bring the child back. Um, so they've done that a few times. Um, they sometimes love uh, going into the forest and screaming, mimicking calls of uh, fa- <laughs> exactly <laughs> mimicking calls of loved ones to deceive their family friends. Okay. So that's another one of their, their pranks. Right. So it's yeah, not evil. It's, it's like it's not evil. <laughs> um, and some people, <laughs> some people have said that they, um, if they look into the forest, they see shiny animal-like eyes staring back, hair that is unnaturally long, and something which looks like it's wearing um, black cloak, and it's quite creepy. But at the end of it, these guys are just lonely leshies. They enjoy human company. They especially are fond of human tobacco. If they're offered tobacco, they get really happy. And sometimes when they're really lonely and they have no children to abduct, they actually transform into the form of a villager so they can go to a local pub and celebrate and get supernaturally drunk and rowdy. Um, If you can shapeshift and become human, why would you live in the forest if you're so lonely? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) He likes the forest, but sometimes gets lonely. Um, Could it be possible that this, this, when you were talking about the drunken trees, that was just a bunch of leshy that went out, got hammered, came back in, turned into a tree and just was like, mate, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know, but apparently leshy's a big deal um, in Siberia um, and the... Okay, so the question I know, which is on the nation's uh, lips right now, is like, how do you get rid of a leshy if you found a leshy? And the answer is... You're saying leshy so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name. I mean... Is it actually a leshy or is this one of your, like, contractions? I, no, no, ge- genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. Alongside the Vodianoi, which is a water-dwelling folk, there is another supernatural hazard called called the leshy. Okay, let's... Uh, sorry, genu- genuinely. To, I don't... Go back to what you were saying. How can you get rid of it? So you get rid of it by using prayers and obscenities um, to, <laughs> to dispel them. So you can either <laughs> those start two reading... things are so okay. 
Yeah, so basically, you can the um, if you start um, reciting prayers to it, it's laughing at you, and then you start swearing at it, it gets angry at you, and then you go back to starting uh, praying uh, to dispel it, and then swearing at it. And apparently, this going back and forth between prayers and obscenities caused so much confusion um, that it just leaves. And these counter effect uh, countermeasures are really really effective. So if you go, uh, you know, start start a Latin prayer or something, and then start going, oh yeah, for you, Mac. Um, apparently, wow. it works. Oh, that's, I would love to witness that. Yeah. I would love to be in a room just watching that happening. That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Honestly, um, but yeah, some people also say that it looks like sometimes it's not got the green beard and stuff. It's actually got like white fur, um, and it's quite big. And um, some people say that it kills and explores and does that stuff. So some people have been saying that it could. The less you could be a yeti, but uh, uh-huh. nobody knows oh, that for sure. No, they haven't. Nobody, no, but, nobody knows, but I can, I can picture it sure. like from as being one of the creatures in The Witcher. That's what I'm kind of picturing it as being. That's yeah. it. That's what I was trying to think. What it was? Yes, it's that. It's that. That's exactly I, what it looks like. I think like. it's one of the things, isn't it? I can't remember what exactly. There's a bit where you fight in The Witcher yeah, Three. Yeah, where it's yeah. a Big. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. So that's Leshin. We can't end on Leshy, so I'm going to ask for any special mentions or uh, any shout-outs uh, before we end the episode. I've got two um, attractions that I wanted to have a look at, but I didn't do too much research on them. Uh, one of them is called Galileo Park, which is sort of an interactive museum that's got all kinds of hands-on science-related things. Um, but there are two main attractions in that, which I want to have a look at. One, at, one is um, a rotating tunnel that it kind of recreates a hallway scene from inception so you go in it turns upside down you're not entirely sure how to get out which is um fun i guess um (laughs) there's also a maze that's made entirely out of mirrors so that's you know something i can really see myself doing in a different place in siberia there's also a clock museum uh so they've got sorry zane when i said special mentions i meant like interesting stuff i mean it's kind of interesting they've got um water clock they've got a sundial a really old grandfather clock bunch of watches and they have the clock that they used for the russian space mission which is pretty cool Um, nice it's a pretty small museum so like a full tour of the thing isn't very time consuming and the best part he had to get one in there he had to get one in there the best part is that it's called the Museum of Hours, uh, which is funny because it's in Russia. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> also, if you want to talk, like, movies and stuff, then a lot of really good movies and the Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer um, were set in Siberia. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tenet, um, Goldeneye, 1995, Pacific Rim, Uprising, Captain America, Civil War, and some video games as well, like, obviously... You guys are going to talk about Call of Duty, probably. I want to mention Rise of the Tomb Raider because it's a very good game. Um, yeah, I have no special mentions apart from the food, which looks interesting. I'll stick a link up. There's too many to go through. Okay, I've got one, which is just the Vitim River Bridge, which is one of the most spectacular river bridges in the world. And it goes over the Lena River. I'm not going to get into it, but it's rotten. We're blanks and it's tiny and it's amazing. It looks pretty creepy and cool. So check that out. But be we careful because should... it is super dangerous. It's like super dangerous. So... Yeah, and that's our resident safety expert telling us to do that as well. So please do listen to him. <laughs> Trust um, me, I'm an engineer. Exactly. Um, all right, perfect. So that does bring us to the end of the episode. Um, we actually didn't talk too much about death and destruction, which is great on this episode. Please do follow us on our socials. Um, on, so we're on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, and of course the blogspot traveler dot com as well. And uh, guys, always a pleasure. We get there in the end, and see you all at the next one.